0: Well, good morning, church family. I am so encouraged by the message of the last song that uh, uh, Katie led for us, that your love, God's love, never fails. And um, that's a truth that I hope that uh, you feel this morning. Some of you come in here this morning, maybe you don't feel that uh, God loves you or wants you. And I hope that what you're going to hear today will... um, change how you feel. Um, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture this morning in the New Testament book of Ephesians. I'm going to be reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. I have the verses uh, on the screen uh, behind me, and I also have them in uh, your uh, sermon outlines. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. This is God's Word. Once upon a time, a man was accused of a crime, and the evidence against this man was so overwhelming that the verdict was obvious, and it was that he was guilty. He was declared guilty, he was sentenced, and yet, in an act of grace, someone paid this criminal's uh, penalty. And the judge said, You're free, you can go. Justice had been satisfied because someone paid for this crime. That's what being justified means, that I am treated just if I'd never committed the crime. But then after this person's acquittal, as the man was leaving the courthouse, an amazing thing happened. The judge followed him out, caught up with him and said, I want you to come home with me. Let's have dinner at my house. You ever heard of such a thing? I said, well, okay. And then at the dinner table, the judge said, I want to adopt you as my son. I I would like for you to be a part of my family. I want to be your father. And I want all that I have to belong to you. What? You know, pinch me is this a dream I mean is this for real and the answer is yes it is for real in fact the once upon a time story that I just told is really the story of every Christian in this room it's the story of how a convicted criminal became a son it's the story of adoption Today at Windsor Road, as we thank God for those in our church family who have been called as adoptive parents, and as we remember the importance of orphan care, it's appropriate that we uh, meditate and consider and enjoy the adoption that we have, our own spiritual adoption. Because if you're a Christian, you have been adopted into the family of God. And being adopted into God's family is the best, highest privilege that we can enjoy as believers. Amen. You see, adoption into God's family means that means that through Christ... Our Creator Judge becomes our Heavenly Father. Do you know what the Christian name for God is? Father. Father. And that's what I want us to consider and think about and feel and enjoy and live out here as a church community. You see if you want to if you want to determine how well someone understands Christianity, just find out how much that person makes about the thought of being God's child and having God as their father. If 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 this thought does not prompt and control my worship, my prayers, my relationships, my entire perspective and outlook on life, then I I have yet to fully probe the depths of Christianity. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to drill deeper by by considering and learning and then living what it means to be adopted. And, And so that's the first question I want to answer this morning. I want us to talk about, okay, what does it mean to be adopted into the family of God? That's question number one. Question number two is this, how does that happen? How does it happen? How is it possible for my adoption to take place? And then the third question is, okay, what difference does this make in my life? What does it mean for the rest of my life that I am adopted into God's family? So let's consider this first question. First, the what. What, what is adoption in the Bible? Well, let's consider the word itself adoption. Uh, The New Testament comes to us by way of the Greek language, and in the original Greek language, uh, the word adoption is a compound word. It comes from two words, meaning to put into place a son, to create a son. Adoption is the act or the process of creating a son, and so, when, when God adopts us as His children, He willfully and purposefully initiates legal action to change our status. Adoption is what God does to transfer us out of one family and into His family. Now, uh, for the Apostle Paul, this is a powerful metaphor, and he primarily uses it in the uh, letters to the Ephesians, to the Galatians, and the Romans, this word adoption, the process of placing a son. And he uses this metaphor uh, to convey this really rich spiritual truth. You must understand, the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen, and the Romans had a very thought-through legal protocol for adoption. See, here's the deal. In the Roman Empire, adoptions typically occurred um, when the child was an adult. It it would have been uh, rare to almost no chance at all for a child to be adopted as an, an infant. Because their reasons for adoption were far different than our reasons. See, the Romans would adopt. Adoptions would occur because a patriarch or an estate owner or someone from the patrician or upper class, they had no heir and no one to continue the family name or the family legacy. Uh, Julius Caesar adopted uh, Octavian, who later became Augustus Caesar. Uh, In in fact, (laughs) uh, uh, Augustus... uh, the adoption took place in Julius Caesar's will. So it was after Julius Caesar died that his will stipulate that Octavian would be belong to his family. And then that's how he became emperor, you see. Uh, uh, and, and guess what? Uh, Augustus Caesar's successor, Tiberius, he was adopted too. That's adoption ensured the peaceful transfer of power. Transfer is about what adoption was in the Roman Empire. The adoptive father would select someone that he loved and cared for, and in the legal action of adoption, the adoptee was taken away or transferred out of their previous family situation and transferred into a new situation, a new relationship, a new family. And the person who was adopted all of their old debts immediately went away, wiped out, none, canceled. And his only obligation was to his new father. And the adopted son immediately became an heir and and was at once as wealthy as his father. And he had the same status as natural-born children. And thus, in turn, whatever liabilities existed in the son's life, well, these were immediately transferred to the Father. And so it's out of that cultural picture that Paul says in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we are sons of God. And let me interrupt myself for just a moment because some of you you may be hitting a snag because Paul is saying adopted as sons. Why doesn't he say as sons and daughters? Okay, just hang on. I'll talk about that in just a little bit, Okay. Work with me here. Paul says we were once children of wrath. Now we're children of God. Our debts have been wiped out. And now we have the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. In our adoption, we have a new father, we have a new family, we have a new future, and we have new responsibilities. And all that we have belongs to him. Isn't that beautiful? You see, it's one thing to be declared innocent and righteous before a judge in a court of law. And it's quite another to be invited to family fellowship where we can say, Abba, Father. Don't you get the gospel? The gospel is not that God just pronounces us not guilty and then shoos us out of the courtroom saying, try not to get into too much trouble now from here on out, huh? No, no, no. God doesn't leave us destitute with no place to go. Rather, he adopts us into the warm security of his household. And that's why I say that our adoption is the best, highest privilege in our relationship with God. Adoption to place a son. Adoption, it's about a transfer from one family into God's family, always initiated by the adoptive father. The child never initiates it. It's the father who initiates this. And what follows is a journey of faith in the new family where we then Learn to become the son that the father already says we are. Adoption. Our creator judge becomes our heavenly father. Well, that's question number one. Question number two, how does this happen? Well, remember the big idea. Through Christ. Through Christ, God adopts us as his children through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Think with me, uh, if you will, to the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost son. A father had two sons. One of them took the inheritance of the younger son and squandered it. And when he came to his senses, he came home, he told his father, Father, let me just be your slave. I, I'm not worthy of becoming your son. And the father says, No, you're my son. Here's the robe. Here are the shoes. Here's the family ring. I will welcome you back as if you never left. Well, the elder son was furious about this, right? Dad, how can you do this? He squanders He squanders the wealth. You're welcoming You're welcoming back him at my expense. That's my robe. That's my ring. Those are my shoes. And the gospel is that God our Father Adopts us through Jesus Christ. The father says, Randy, I want you at my table. Randy, I want to adopt you. I want you in my family. And Jesus, the true elder brother, says, Dad, I'll pay for it. He can have my shoes. He can wear my robe. He can put on my ring. It's all right. Now that's a brother. Brother. That's a brother. Someone said God is our father because Jesus is our brother. Jesus was brothering me so that God could father me. So not everybody is adopted though. (laughs) See, not not all people are God's adopted children. God, God is the creator of all. And he is only the father of those who believe in Jesus. Our adoption is through Jesus Christ. And why would he do this? Didn't we read this in Ephesians? In love, verse 4 says, in love. You see, when when God moved to adopt us through Christ, it wasn't because we were precious-looking orphans, okay? So, you know, some of us come to church thinking that we're as cute as some of those Norman Rockwell kids and we just need a little boost from God you know yeah not hardly okay yeah here's who here's who we were right amen yeah get it when I say get it you say got it I'll say good get it good that's who we were and so when Paul says in love, he predestined us for adoption. Now listen, some people they, they look at this word predestined and they say, well, okay, you know, God arbitrarily and in cold calculation just decided who's gonna be in and who's gonna be out. Listen, I don't believe that that's what was in Paul's mind when he gave us those words. I believe here's what was in Paul's mind. What was in Paul's mind was we weren't adorable, we weren't attractive. We were sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2.2. We were by nature children of wrath. And God made a decision ahead of time to adopt me into his family, knowing what he knows about me. God God knew what he was getting when he adopted me. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. The fact of the matter is this. God adopted me as his child through Christ before I started acting like his child. I was an offender right up to the point of my adoption. And I'm offenders after my adoption. So so my improved status being transferred from the state of enemy to the state of son is just that, an improved status. And this status was purchased through Christ's sinless life, death, burial, and resurrection. Can you see now why the Apostle Paul would say in Ephesians 2, 8, it's by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Uh, and, And in love means that our Father, in my adoption, it means that God the Father loves me with the same love as he loves his Son. Isn't that what Jesus prayed about in John chapter 17, verse 23? Jesus prayed to the Father, may they be brought to complete unity, that's you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Can you imagine the welcome which the Father gave the Son after the cross, after the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and and seating of Christ there on the throne at the right hand of the Father? Can you imagine the welcome the Father gave His Son and that, that tidal wave of love to the Son? Listen, adoption means that He loves you no less that's what that means, love them even as you have loved me. See, your real religion is what you turn to when the chips are down. It's what you turn to when, you, when you're hopeless and desperate. That's what you really worship. Is, is it this? Is it this? Why do you turn to ambition? Why do you turn to immoral sex? Why do you turn to chemicals that have no business in your body? Why do you turn to habits that you know will destroy you? Why do you turn to, to fantasizing about what life would be like if only? Listen, John 17, 23 is no fantasy. It's reality. Meditate on it. The Father's love for the Son, and remember, you have loved them, Jesus said, even as you have loved me. C.S. Lewis once wrote, all of us, all of us have this ache to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off all of us have this ache to be on the inside of some door which we have always only seen from the outside and adoption is how we get on the inside adoption is about being wanted some of you come in here today and you wonder am i really wanted am i wanted and you think about the different places in your life where maybe you don't feel wanted, or the different relationships that you don't feel wanted, can I tell you that there is a greater person and a greater place? God wants you. He wants you. Adoption is about belonging. To be adopted is to be invited into a loving and caring place. It is about being welcomed and wanted and invited through Jesus. Through Jesus, our creator, judge, becomes our heavenly father. Well, that's question number two. Now for the take-home. Now for the now what. What what difference does adoption make in my life? Well, in a sentence, adoption improves everything. How's that for being specific? (laughs) Well, let me be specific. That God is my heavenly Father. First of all, improves my relationships. You know, Ephesians chapter two, verse three says, "Through Him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit." We both. We uh, uh, Paul is writing to a church that is racially diverse. Some from a Hebrew. heritage and some from a non-hebrew or gentile or greek heritage and and paul says it makes no difference through him we both have access to the father by one spirit and why because all of us know where we came from we don't try to pretend that we're better than we really are we all know what god did for us we do and when we get that as a church family, that, that projects a powerful message to the world. Uh, this past week, Sarah and I had a guest in our home who is from the country of Turkey. And uh, we were guests in his home a few years ago when she and I visited uh, Turkey uh, for a few weeks. And uh, this uh, friend, this dear friend of our family is a committed Muslim. And uh, this past week was kind of a schedule-intensive week for me, Uh, so I had some commitments that uh, just could not break, and so I said to my friend, you know, why don't you come, uh, why don't you come with me, follow along with me, and so we went, uh, Wednesday night went to our small group, and we were studying through, we're right now, we're studying through uh, some of the curriculum in the Celebrate Recovery um, material, and uh, so in our Bible study, we just Just had a wonderful Christ-saturated study. And then uh, Friday morning, uh, I took my friend to the Pinnacle Forum uh, ministry, and it's a ministry that I'm privileged to be a part of, and um, at this particular coffee uh, Friday morning, uh, two members from our church family, a husband and a wife, Steve and Donna, um, uh, were uh, giving their testimony about how God has delivered them. Uh, they have spoken at Celebrate Recovery, and, um, and they were very transparent about their hurts and habits and hang-ups. And they talked about how Christ has transformed them and transferred them out of the past and into the present. And afterwards, uh, as I was speaking with my friend, he said, this type of sharing that I've heard, this type of transparency that I've heard uh, would not happen in my country. And I said to my friend, well, you know, it often doesn't happen in America either. um, But it happens in the church family. Because we don't try to be better than we really are. We know where we came from. And we all know what God did for us. Through Christ I have a new father. Through Christ I have new responsibilities. Through Christ I have new loyalties. And therefore God wants me to love others the way he loves me. And that's not a request, it's an expectation. And so if if Windsor Road Christian Church truly is the family of God, a family of adopted sons and daughters, then more than anyone on the face of the earth, we ought to mirror the unity of the family before the eyes of the world. And when we do that, and when we show that this is a safe place for our brokenness, why then? Gospel impressions happen. And if I'm struggling to forgive someone, if a root of bitterness is growing in my soul, it's, it's really only because I have forgotten what I looked like when God adopted me. That God is my heavenly Father. Improves my relationships. I'll tell you what else it improves. It improves my prayer life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Some of us come in here and we still think of God as a taskmaster or it's fear-based. Have you forgotten? You're no slave. You're a son. You're a son. And, and all right, let's talk about this word son. You know, why doesn't Paul say, you're a son and or a daughter? Why does he need to do that? All right, let's talk about that. You know, that, that very question uh, is raised perhaps because we tend to look at Scripture through the eyes of 21st century America. The fact is, Paul lived in a very traditional and patriarchal culture, and that culture did, in fact, treat girls as second-class citizens. And so when Paul says, out of his own traditional culture, that we are all sons in Christ, he's actually being subversive. He's actually saying that there are no second class citizens in God's family. When you give your life to Christ, when you become a Christian you receive all the benefits a son enjoys in a traditional culture whether you are male or female. Whether you come from a Hebrew heritage or a non-Hebrew heritage you see. So our adoption means that we are all loved as Christ is loved. Our adoption means we are all Male or female, honored as he is honored. Every one of us, no matter what. And that means God is approachable and accessible. And we can come to him. And when, when, when that truth just sinks into your soul, I guarantee you, your prayer life will reach a new level. Uh, you know, I, I have an office here um, and my office has an office door. And, you know, when that door is closed, you know, when, I'm, when I'm studying or when I'm with someone, and, you know, you, you want to come in, you know, the protocol is knock. Knock. And then I'll say, come. And then you enter. That's, that's how it works, okay? That's how it works. That's how it works with everybody, Except my beautiful wife. Now, Sarah, Sarah will Sarah will knock as she's turning the door and entering. Okay, you know what I mean? That's what she does. You know, she'll and, and she will she will knock as she's turning the door and entering, and she'll say, "Knock, knock," and then she'll enter. Okay, she won't wait to be invited. She just comes. Okay, that's her protocol for the last 27 years, <laughs> and that's good. That's good. Okay, that's good. There are, in addition to that, there are there are two other people on the face of this earth. Two other people on the face of this earth uh, of seven billion people now, um, who never knock when they enter my office door ever i don't never they've never knocked my two sons Ben and Brandon they never they never knock even now they don't they never knock they they just come they don't even come they barge <laughs> you know and that's how i want it that's how i want it because they're my sons you know? And now we get to do that with our Heavenly Father. You never have to knock. I, I love this picture of President Kennedy. Isn't that great? Huh? That's it. That's the pre- You'd never see the Secretary of Defense there at the bottom of that desk, would you? Huh? He may be the, you know what? He may be president to everybody else in America, but that's my dad. See? That's dad. And Romans 8, 17 says, And if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Don't you get it? The Father treats the adopted sons the same as the natural son. We can say, Abba, Father. Do you pray like that? Why not? That God is my heavenly Father. Improves my relationships. Improves my prayer life, and then it improves my outlook on suffering. Romans eight seventeen continues, we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. God's goal for my life as his adopted son is not my personal happiness. It's not. God's goal for my life as His adopted son is that I may be glorified with Christ. And so if there are troubles or struggles or suffering, it's not because He is punishing me, because He's already punished the elder brother. So it must be for another reason. And it's this. My loving Heavenly Father is trying to make me like my elder brother. You know, when I was in fifth grade, um, I had mononucleosis. And I guess it was severe. I was uh, in the hospital for two straight weeks. I had blood tests every day. And then after I got out of the hospital, I uh, was out of school for three and a half months. It was almost like a two summer breaks stacked up to one another. You know, I didn't think it was that bad at all, but uh, but, but then uh, Halloween came. I'm in fifth grade, and I felt fine. I wanted to go trick-or-treating, you know, and I said, I want to go trick-or-treating, and mom, dad said, you can't, son, you're sick. I said, well, I don't feel sick. I'm fine. Can I go? No, no, you can't. Well, Why not? Because you're sick. Well, but I don't feel sick. Well, you still can't go. Well, why can't you explain to me? Well, no, we're trying to explain to you you're sick, but I don't feel sick. I mean, this went on and on and on. Finally, my parents realized this is, you know, um, just sit down, (laughs) okay? Now, see, all the time I was complaining, I still knew that I was a fifth grader. I still knew that I was a child. Aren't we like that? We want God to explain himself to us. We want want to know why God does what he does. And so we fight with him. We argue with him. We complain with him. And we want him to explain himself. And he's not talking. And he doesn't have to. He doesn't. But when you realize that our Heavenly Father's goal is to make us like His Son, then you can say in your prayers, Father, you don't have to explain yourself to me in order for me to trust you. You don't. Father, you don't owe me an explanation. And I don't have to have 100% of what I want 100% of the time, because after all, I am a child. And you don't mean me any ill. You want me to be like Jesus. And if you will just get that, to know that, church family, is the foundation for all that we've learned. And if you will know that his love for you is unconquerable, then you won't be a person of fear. And you won't be someone who can't handle suffering. Here's what you will know. You will be able to say with Thomas Brooks, I am his by purchase. And I am his by conquest. And I am his by donation. And I am his by election. I am his by covenant. And I am his by adoption. I am entirely his. I am extremely his. I am universally his. I am eternally his. Once I was a slave. Now I'm a son. Once I was dead. Now I'm alive. Once I was darkness. Now I am light in the Lord. Once I was a child of wrath. An heir of hell but now I'm an heir of heaven. Once I was Satan's servant, but now I am God's freeman. Once I was under the spirit of bondage, but now I'm under the spirit of adoption. And it's an adoption that seals up to me the remission of my sins, the justification of my person, and the salvation of my soul. I am his. Through Christ, our creator judge becomes our heavenly father. Can you say this? Can you? Are you a child of God? And can you see that it's only because of the elder brother that we can be in the family of the father? How many of us know that we're in the family but we're not living it out? I wanna leave you with a verse here. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna leave you with this verse. And it's a verse that I want you to do business with God on. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna cite the verse that's gonna be up on the screen, and then I'm gonna pray, and then Katie's gonna sing. And it's a verse I want us to meditate on, to prepare us for communion. And uh, it's First John chapter three, verse one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. See. It's a command, church. It's not an elective. Obey it. See the Father's love that he's given to us. That we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. Through Jesus Christ. Amen.